Welcome to Hallowed, Exploring the Lives of the Saints, Episode 10, One Heart and One Soul. I'm your host, Tom Thorne, and in this podcast, I'll be taking you on a journey through the lives, adventures, trials, and triumphs of the great heroes of the Christian faith. This episode is dedicated to the special young lady who inspired it. You know who you are. Today, we'll be talking about a woman, twice called by God, to serve him in very different ways. The wife, mother, widow, baroness, and nun, St. Jane de Chantal. Jean-François Frémiot, better known as St. Jane, was born on the 28th of January, 1572, in the town of Dijon, in eastern France. She came from a prominent Catholic family. Her father was president of the regional parlements, or court of appeals, while her uncle was an abbot, and her brother would go on to become an archbishop. But tragedy struck when she was just 18 months old. Her mother passed away, leaving Jane to be raised by her father alone. Evidently, he did a fine job, for Jane grew into an intelligent, educated, and charming young woman. But it's still hard for any child to grow up without a mother. Adding to the stress of those early years was the political situation in France, for Jane was born in the middle of the French Wars of Religion. In the later decades of the 16th century, when Jane was just a girl, the Kingdom of France found itself torn apart by a series of bloody conflicts between Catholic and Protestant powers. Calling these conflicts the Wars of Religion is kind of a misnomer, since they were really a series of power struggles fought among the great houses of France, but religion did play a big part in them. Both Catholics and Protestants, known in France as Huguenots, exploited the chaos of the civil wars to attack their hated neighbors, committing atrocities on all sides. In the decade leading up to Jane's birth, Dijon itself had known the hardships of war, narrowly escaping an attack by a Protestant army while having its countryside ravaged by mercenary bands. Thankfully, Jane was born after the worst of the fighting had died down, but the memory of war and the fear of its return, would still have been fresh. By the time Jane was a grown woman, in the 1590s, the civil wars had finally come to an end. Somewhere between two and four million people had lost their lives in the fighting, and the realm was desperate for peace. Order was slowly restored, under the reign of King Henri IV, the victor of the civil wars, a former Protestant who'd converted to Catholicism and granted toleration to both religions. For Jane, these years of national healing 
were likely the happiest years of her life. Not only because France was at peace, but because she met the man she would love. In 1592, at the age of 20, Jane married a man named Christophe, the Baron de Chantal. Like herself, the Baron was bright, attractive, energetic, and warm, and though they were led to marriage by family politics, like most noble matches of the time, Jane and Christophe turned out to be an excellent couple. They truly loved one another, and would eventually have six children. The first two, sadly, died as infants, but the last four survived to adulthood. Three daughters and a son. Because her husband was often away on the king's service, Jane was left in charge of their family home, the splendid Chateau de Bobilly. Like many other noble estates, the chateau had fallen on hard times during the civil wars. Its buildings were crumbling, its lands lay untended, and it wasn't bringing enough income to sustain their growing family. But, under Jane's management, the chateau quickly turned around and got back on steady footing. Thanks to her efforts, you can still visit the place today, a beautiful manor house nestled in the green hills of Burgundy. Years later, a witness at Jane's canonization proceedings described her marriage to Christophe as such. These two spouses provided a model of a genuinely holy marriage. They had between them one heart and one soul. The Baron and Baroness de Chantal might have enjoyed their idyllic life for many years, but it was not to be. In 1601, nearly a decade into their marriage, Christophe took a hunting trip in the woods with a close friend. While stalking a deer, the friend accidentally shot the Baron with an arquebus, a long-barreled Renaissance gun. As he lay dying, Christophe forgave his friend, and no doubt prayed that his wife would be able to do the same. Then he expired, leaving Jane a widow. When she received news of her husband's death, Jane fell at once from the brightest days of her life to the blackest. Now alone in her late twenties, with four children, she struggled to forgive the man who had taken her husband from her. Eventually, she would manage it, even becoming godmother to his child. But it must have taken tremendous effort. In the meantime, her own life took a sharp turn for the worse. Her father-in-law was apparently nothing like his son, Christoph. Cruel, petty, and abusive, he threatened to disinherit Jane's children if she would not leave the Chateau de Bourbilly and come live with him at the Chateau de Montelon, which, I have to say, looks like a run-down vampire's castle from the photos I've seen. Trying to do what was best for her kids, Jane relented. She moved to Montelon, only to learn the sad truth about why her father-in-law 
and wanted her there. It turns out the old man had four illegitimate children of his own, and he wanted Jane to raise them for him. Suffering constant mistreatment from her father-in-law and even from his housekeeper, Jane did her best to care for those children, in addition to her own. In those dark years, her only solace came from her faith. She took a vow of chastity, promising never to remarry, and devoted herself to prayer and fasting while looking after all those children. But the strain must have been overwhelming, and even her faith began to take its toll on her. She fell into a scrupulous understanding of religion, punishing herself for imagined sins with severely ascetic ways of living, and pushing herself away from God's merciful love, no doubt feeling unworthy. In her fear and doubts, she prayed for a holy teacher who might lead her back to health. And in 1604, three years after the death of her husband, her prayers were answered. Jane received a vision of the man who would become her spiritual director. She knew his face, but not his name. Shortly thereafter, on a visit to her family in Dijon, she met him in person. His name, it turned out, was St. Francis de Sale, one of the best-loved spiritual writers of all time, and he'll likely get an episode of his own in the future. St. Francis and St. Jane would soon become good friends, and under his gentle guidance, she began to emerge from the sorrows of the past three years. Among his many sage pieces of advice for her is a favorite of mine. Quotes, Avoid scruples, hurry, and anxiety of mind, which above all things hinder a soul on the road to spiritual perfection. End quote. It's all too easy, when striving to live a good Christian life, to hold ourselves to impossible standards of perfection, obsessing over our flaws, real or imaginary, rather than reflecting on God's infinite love for us. That kind of perfectionism is a trick of the devil, and St. Francis was wise indeed to point St. Jane away from it. It was in this spirit of gentleness that St. Francis de Sales encouraged St. Jane to follow God's plan for her life. Where she had once been called to be a wife and mother, and had excelled in that vocation, she now believed God was calling her to the religious life. By 1610, most of her children were grown. Her eldest daughter, for example, had already married St. Francis' brother. And Jane felt it was time to pursue her new vocation. So, with the help of St. Francis, she founded a convent on the shores of Lake Annecy, high in the French Alps, with a small group of sisters. Under the guidance of St. Francis, these nuns would be quite different 
from most female religious of the time. They would be involved in ministry outside their cloister. They would refrain from the austere penances that kept many weaker women away from the religious life, and they would accept the old and the infirm as sisters. When challenged about that last point, Jane famously replied, What do you want me to do? I like sick people myself. I'm on their side. In keeping with their charism, Jane and her new sisters took special care of the afflicted when the bubonic plague returned to France in 1628. Nearly a million people died in that epidemic, but Jane did all she could to tend to its victims. Today, Jane's sisters are known as the Order of the Visitation of Holy Mary, or the Visitandines for short. They continue to place humility and gentleness at the center of their charitable work throughout the world. There is one other aspect of Jane's story that deserves our attention. Her relationship with her son, Cels Benigne. When Jane took her religious vows, her son was only 14 years old. Nearly a grown man by the standards of the day, but still a teenager who would have to live with Jane's relatives for a few years. Understandably, he was distraught at his mother going away, and he threw himself upon the threshold of her convent in a dramatic attempt to change her mind. Believing herself called by God to a new life, Jane stepped over the sobbing boy and began her journey as a nun. I'll admit, that's the hardest part of her story for me to hear. But it is worth noting that her son later apologized for his behavior, and was ultimately glad that his mother had become a nun. Sometimes, following God's plan requires us to make very difficult choices. And in retrospect, we can say that Jane made the right one. But that doesn't mean it was easy for her. There's a curious afterword to her son's story. Cels Benigne would grow up to become a legendary swordsman in the golden age of fencing. He had many adventures of his own, reminiscent of Cyrano de Bergerac and the Three Musketeers, whose stories are also said at this time. In fact, Jane's son fought in the French army under Cardinal Richelieu, the villain from the Three Musketeers. Richelieu was certainly no saint, but he was a competent leader for France at a time of tremendous upheaval, when there was no king capable of ruling. Jane prayed fervently that her son, who lived by the sword, and would likely die by the sword, should at least die a good Christian death in battle, rather than being excommunicated for dueling, which the church was doing her best to abolish. Her prayers were answered in 1627, a year before the coming of the plague, when Celsbenigne gave his life for France 
on an island facing La Rochelle on the Atlantic coast. The English had stirred up the Huguenots of La Rochelle to revolt against Catholic France, threatening a return to the anarchy of the wars of religion. And Jane's son died an honorable death in the battle to restore order. He left behind him a daughter, Marie, who would, in her turn, go on to become a famous writer, the Marquis de Savagne. I'm not exactly a connoisseur of Baroque French literature, but apparently, she's one of the leading lights. So it would seem greatness really does run in the family. St. Jane de Chantal died of natural causes on the 13th of December, 1641. By the time of her death, the order of the visitation had grown to include no fewer than 86 houses, and it would only continue to grow into an international congregation in the centuries to come. She had left a glorious legacy in not one family, but two first in her children, and then in her spiritual sisters. She had also promoted the cause for canonization of St. Francis de Sales, her dear friend and mentor. Needless to say, that cause was successful, and Jane herself would go on to be canonized in 1767. If you'd like to read some of the letters written between these two great saints, many thankfully survive and are today available in English. You can also read St. Francis' magnificent treatise on the love of God, which he wrote for St. Jane and her sisters. St. Jane de Chantal is commemorated on the 12th of August in the Catholic Church. She is a patroness of mothers, wives, widows, those who have trouble with in-laws, parents separated from their children, and people who have been forgotten. If you'd like to learn more about St. Jane, and develop your own devotion to her, then I've included links to prayers and other resources in the show notes, including some travel advice for pilgrims who want to follow her trail in France. May St. Jane, Baroness de Chantal, foundress of the Order of the Visitation, and servant of God through two callings, come to our aid now and always, for the greater glory of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thank you.